Let's Be Legendary podcast is a member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts ranging from true crime to nerd culture and convention news, please visit nerdandtie.com. We strive to make this podcast and story a safe and inclusive place for as many listeners as possible. So if we've missed any content warnings, please feel free to let us know. Content warnings for this episode include mature themes, mentions of both torture and the torture of children starting around the 49 minute mark. The world is a weird and wild place, but even now, there are men who seek to tame it by any means necessary. Hatred is spreading throughout the land, covering it with fear and blood. Masquerading as propaganda for safety, darkness is spreading, consuming those who do not fit with the natural order. Infecting the streets with political grandstanding, they have set their sights on the highest office. Bounty hunters with badges try and keep the promises of a dead man, but the weight of death clings to their steps. Their rage is palpable, and revenge is consuming. Two decades have passed since the gateway between this world and a world of unbridled madness was opened. The door stands open still, and the wilds are slowly seeping in, searching out the ones that freed them from their cage. This is the Feywild West. We are the nightmares they want you to fear. We are the dead man's promise. Let's be legendary. asked about what information on what the Reaper and what the Wanderer in White are. Yes. Well, from the reports we've gotten in, Celine Argent, or the Wanderer in White, is known to be a fae. A fence snorts. A fae. A fairy. At least partially, yes. All right. She looks like she's just like, yeah, sure, right. And Talia Gray, AKA the Reaper. It was uncertain what what she was for a while, but with some of the latest reports that have come in, we have reason to believe that she is some form of lycanthrope. I look over at Fen, a werewolf and a fairy. Uh, Fen doesn't say anything, but he rolls his eyes. Looks back and forth between the two of you. Okay, look. If you two want to make it in this organization at all, you're going to have to accept some wild things. The world is scary out there. Full of unnatural creatures. Fen. Fen shrugs. Apologies. I was under the impression that both werewolves and fairies did not exist. If we had our way, they wouldn't. Of course. How can you be sure that is what they are? I was making these reports. Agents in the field. And he pulls out from around his neck the amulet, still keeping it on. Upon initiation, you will receive one of these. Yes. Along with tattoos on your back. This will be bound to you. If you should ever die, it retains an imprint. What sort of an imprint? Last thoughts. What killed you? In certain circumstances, we can even extract a couple seconds of your last sights. Fascinating. It's from these and eyewitness reports from people who have survived, not just within the Venasi, but also our child organization, the 42nd, that we have put together these reports. 
I see. Well, if you'll follow me down this way, he leads you down. Uh, this is our creature library. And it's four shelves that are about 30 feet long each, all stacked bottom to top shelf with books. Most of them looking pretty ancient, but well kept. Hmm. These are the observations of Venasi for over 600 years. And where might I find information about werewolves and fairies? Well, it's alphabetical. So F for fairies, L for lichens. Have fun. He turns around and starts heading back towards the desk. I cast message and in night speak. Well, I'm not shitting myself or anything. How about you? I just look over at you like, shit. <laughs> well. I cast message again. You take F, I, I'll i take L. Sure, sure. What else are we gonna do? <laughs> Might as well. Can I message back? I can, I can. Uh, well, I cast it again, oh, too. Okay. To, might as well. <laughs> might as well. While we are here, since we're going to die in the morning. All right. She takes F, I take L. Okay. So while we're looking for the books. Mistress, I'd not like how they are treating you with such suspicion after everything you have done for their benefit. I understand why they must, and in... To be quite honest, I'm rather glad of it. It ensures their secrecy and their sincerity. A few inconveniences is a small price to pay for for my vengeance. I still do not like it, but it is your decision. Yes, it is. Uh, investigation checks. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, I have a one now. Yeah, you have you have proficiency. You have two actually. Oh, two! I have two magic. I'm gonna use my last damn luck point. Okay, that's that's good. That's yeah, yeah. Fifteen. Okay, so it's not great. Investigation twenty-one. Okay, I mean they're alpha. They're organized alphabetically, so it wasn't a huge. It wasn't a huge check. It was just to see what exactly you guys pick up. Oh, okay. And fifteen. That's good enough. Yay. Um, Yay, good enough. <laughs> there are actually quite a number of books gone from these shelves. Seems that these two subjects are currently popular. Preens. We are popular. <laughs> Celine, you actually find four books. Oh, fantastic. Talia, you find three that look to be worthwhile. Hit me. Ow. I didn't mean that literally. One book that you actually recognize. Important personages of the Feywild. Oh yeah, that thing. The one that was purported by Master Talden to be pretty inaccurate. Put that one right back. Yeah. Strained Creatures of Nightmare. Manners and Etiquette, Surviving the Feywild. Ooh. And Kingdoms and Rulers. For the Lycan books, the three that you find, The Horrible Disease, Hunting and Tracking, and a study of behaviors. If this thing tells me about mating patterns, I'm gonna burn it. I take all of them and go back to wherever what's-his-butt was. Um, my lady wishes to take these to her room. Oh, that's right, right. Feel free. He, he kind of just, like, takes a note. Um, yeah. Oh, good eye on leaving that, uh, personages one. Completely inaccurate. I see. I took so many notes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, like what? The personages. Remember when you were at the spa? I yeah. was literally like writing all the notes down from yeah. that thing because it was yep. the only thing we had access to. God damn. Okay. Waste my pencil. Anyway, I have the books. Where are we going? Yes. Where might I find my room? As I said, dormitories. Down that way, through that door, pick one that's empty. I look over at Fen. 
I juggle the books and take out another pouch that has 20 gold in it. I don't think you gave me the right directions. I don't actually put it on the table, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, roll persuasion. Okay. Uh, sure. 13. No, I gave you the right ones. I put the gold back. I look over at Fen. I give her a look of, like, really? Juggle <laughs> the books, reach in, grab a bigger sack. Roll again. <laughs> at advantage. Uh, okay, 13. Oh, okay, 20. Or no, 19. He reaches up to take the gold. It's 50. Hmm. Same directions. Go all the way to the end. Knock twice. Pause. Knock once. And what am I to expect? Accommodations. Very well. That will be all. There we go. (laughs) You're funny as hell. (laughs) Okay. So we do that. All the way, and then knock. What was it? Knock. Twice? Go, yeah. So we go to the dormitories, and mm-hmm. then go all the way to the end. Yep. yep. You you pass by several doors, all looking very sturdy, and you get to the end. It's only one door. Looks like all the other ones. On the final knock, the door goes ajar, and just kind of like swings in a little bit. I push it open. Okay. You open it up. I don't unstep it, I just push it open. Yep. Yeah. It is a room. A, a decently sized room. I'd say it's actually close to, like, the size of your living room here. So for our listeners, that's, what, 30 by... Like, including including mm-hmm. this area. That's, what, um, uh, 30 by... It's a, it's a big room. Yeah, a decent sized room. The cat is very happy with it. Yes. It, it's sectioned off into two areas. A kind of, like, sitting room area with a fireplace and a table and chairs further on in there is an archway and you can see a bed beyond that um i have a question is yeah. looking th- this door doesn't have like a window on it does it no all right so we go into the room and close the door and i'd like i shake my head at you i cast message we gonna do this I don't know great <laughs> can can they can she just be casting it yeah, like sure. constantly so we're I'll, I'll allow it yeah okay it's a cantrip it's a cantrip great awesome we don't have fucking plan for no this. we do not fuck and then and one message is just them like cursing back and forth can I I'm gonna put the books down okay what time is it it's night right mm-hmm we did that at seven. It's probably been an hour. It's been a couple hours. So eight, nine. So we have. So it's like ten at night or something like that. I literally want to take an hour mm-hmm. and search the entire goddamn room for anything, like a ruin, a rune, um, something, anything that indicates that they might be listening in. Okay. Who has a better investigation score? She does. And what, what's your intelligence modifier? Mine. Yeah. Modifier. Uh, two. Are you, are you proficient in investigation? Nope. So you both actually have the same then. Okay. I can detect magic. Oh, yeah, you can do that too. That detect any magical... Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So, you set up the ritual for detect magic, bringing it up. Make an investigation check at advantage with a plus five. Okay. 17, 19... 23. So, searching around, you find a couple things that are magical. You find the door, obviously. It has a magical lock on it, which also has a traditional deadbolt on it, so you can lock it, and even if somebody comes up and does the knock, it won't just open for them. Mm, Okay. Cool. Yeah. You find that there is some kind of enchantment on the rug, looks to be transmutation by its school of magic. 
the, ru- mm-hmm. the rug on the floor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there is, I'll be cliche about it, there's a flower vase. No, I look, look at Talia like, the last magical flower vase that we had to deal with exploded. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll shoot it. It's fine. <laughs> All right. What is in yeah. this? What What can I tell about this flower vase? Just that it is magical. It is magical. I believe the school of magic would be either. Uh, it'd, it'd be a mix of conjuration and transmutation. With that check, I'll allow it to say you can tell it is some kind of listening spell. You cannot determine whether or not it is active currently. Can you dispel magic? I sure can. How crude. And I cast a spell magic on the flower pot. Okay. Uh, what? How does that work again? It works. What? Real good. Spell magic. Choose one creature, object, or magical effect within range. Any third spell level or lower on the target ends for each spell fourth level or higher on the target. Make an ability check using your spell casting ability. The DC equals 10 plus the spell's level. On a successful check, the spell ends. Okay. It's a third level spell, so it automatically ends. Okay. So... Boop. And it's, it's gone. It's just gone. It's just gone. What about the rug? I go cast Dispel Magic on the rug. Well, no. What right. does it do? Make an intelligence check. Arcana check. Arcana. Okay. I, ca- I couldn't tell. I didn't know if that was like all you get is like, yeah, it's got, it's, it's transmutated somehow. 16. Nice. Okay. Yeah. It looks to be some kind of triggerable security measure that if anybody were to break into this room without using the correct knock, the rug turns into an animated rug oh. of smothering. Oh. Hell. Huh. Can I put it in the bag of holding? <laughs> um, we could try. If no, well, the only reason I'd say against that is if they check this room after we're done with it, and they realize the rug's gone. The bastards took the rug. Her rug? Huh? There wasn't any rug. I don't think that one's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but okay. You you see me looking at it, and you know what I'm thinking is. No. Excuse me. Ma'am. <laughs> How does a uh, detect magic work? Detect magic for 10 minutes. Oh, cool. In a 30 foot radius, I think. Is it a cone around her? It's a bubble around her, yeah. Okay, can you go in the room that has the beds in it? Mm hmm. See if there's another thing in there? uh, Yeah, do that. Yeah. I I had actually kind of included for the entire apartment. So, yeah. No, there's nothing else magical. Okay. Aside from like some enchantments on. Yeah, the, do you actually find that there is? They have uh, fully functioning internal plumbing. Oh, how big is the bathtub? Not big. Mm. Oh, this is bigger. Yeah, but it actually works by magic. Oh, so right. with, even with heated water. A bathtub of holding. No. It's really big. No. <laughs> that is an amazing idea, but that's not what this is. <laughs> Turns bathtub into a fucking swimming pool. <gasps> a warm, heated swimming pool. <laughs> um, Alright, as soon as that's down, I give you like a heads up. Like, we. And I take out the doorknob. And I shake my head. Do you think. Uh, I'm using message. Mm. Do you think it's safe to talk? I would not risk it. We're just going to be messing in each other all night? Guess so. (laughs) Messaging each other, even you're sitting right across the table. It's like texting. (laughs) Fun. Ma'am? I'm hungry. Right. And I pull out rations. Apologies, ma'am. I didn't know we weren't allowed to leave the building, and this is all I brought with us. Then I message, and you won't let me use the goddamn door, <laughs> which is where all of our food is. Fen. Ma'am. My back is sore. Allow me to help you with that, ma'am. That I can do. That's easy. I give her back robes. Mm. 
And then I message her, you know, you don't need to go overboard. <laughs> yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you do not. Anyway, I'm going to read. Yeah, let's read. While eating my rations. All right. I'm reading. What do we got? We've got Strange Creatures of Nightmare. Manners and etiquette surviving the Feywild. I think you should steal that. Oh, I'm stealing all of these. <laughs> Kingdoms and their rulers. <laughs> and then I have the horrible disease, hunting and tracking, and a study of behavior. I want to say that mine sound not as amusing as yours. Okay, so I'm going to read the etiquette one. Okay. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah. Read that. Is it in common? Yes. Okay. So what's it say? So manners and etiquette seems to be written by not of a Nazi member. Oh, interesting. Who was it written by? It was written by Bon Boldhollow, a priest and servant of the crone. Underneath the title on the inside page, underneath the author's name, there is in finely printed ink with notes taken by Perrin Goldsheath. So Bold Hollow details his journeys through the Feywild. Oh, wow. It seems that this was written sometime before the Sundering. I was going to say, look at the front page and look at the, the um, publication date. Actually, yeah, there would be pre-Sundering. Pre yeah, there would have been a publication date. Oh, so... It's a date that you do not recognize. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, because they wouldn't have dated it. This is pre-Sundering. Yeah, this is pre- Yeah. It details his travels through the Feywild and his interactions with several different types of Fey beings. He notes that there are a couple different kinds of Fey, but they all seem to fall into two very distinct categories. Animalistic and humanoid. Hmm. Animalistic seems to cover the very broad strokes of anything from something like the polka-dotted bunnies <laughs> to other more oddly named creatures like Obelkin, hmm. which he describes as sort of amorphous blobs of hair and fur that like to sleep under tree roots and try and eat passerbys. <laughs> I giggle at that. Um, is there anything detailing the the things when we went through the... There was another door we went through that didn't go into the glade, and there were those monsters... Not monsters, they were like... Oh, those ape things. Yeah. Not in this book. Okay. But he goes on to detail sort of behaviors, and in absolutely every aspect of Fey society that he thought, no matter humanoid or animalistic, one thing he noted throughout everything was trade. Favors in kind. Mm. Anything done, anything given was reciprocated. Uh, he focuses more on the humanoid mm -hmm. side of matters. Warning, never to accept a gift unless it has been explicitly stated that it comes with no binding and no favors needed in return. Good to know. Never disagree directly with a fae. Hear that. It is seen as rude. <laughs> and rudeness is often met with death. It continues on with a couple of smaller things, like if it can be helped, never, ever eat the last piece of candy in the jar. This is mm. common sense. Yeah. If two pixies cross paths in front of you, turn back, walk five paces, and then you may continue on the way you were originally going. <laughs> and if any of these sound weird, dear listeners, seem arbitrary welcome to being autistic <laughs> because all y'all's rules about what you're supposed to do seem really arbitrary really yeah like you say one thing and you're like oh that sounded like you meant such and such and I'm like i never said that that's not what i said 
But it sure sounded like it. Where did you get that? And neurotypicals will agree. Yeah, that's what you said. Like it goes on with kind of like minor things like that for a little while, but then it gets to a, if there is anything you should never, ever, ever do. There's one thing you take from this book, my dear reader. Never eat fairy food. Does it say why? It does. Being served food has implications of host and guest roles. If you accept those roles, they may not harm you, but you are to stay until their hospitality wanes. And if there's anything Fae love, it's hosting. Whether balls, parties, tea, if they have guests, they will set aside important matters of state to attend to their guests. I once met a person who was foolish enough to accept fairy fare. He told me he thought he had been there for perhaps a week. When I asked him what year it was, he proceeded to tell me that it was 500 years previous to when I had left. Ouch. Shit. Does it say anything about dancing? Yes, actually. Oh. There's actually a chapter on it. Oh. Okay. Hit me. While traveling in the Feywilds, it is best to avoid joining in fairy revels. Why? It goes on to lists several instances of lost time where people who began dances continued to dance for over a hundred years. It includes one story of a woman who went to dance with fairies every night against her will and never got sleep, eventually going insane. Oh. Mm. As we read through that chapter, I look poignantly at you. Message. Maybe not do that no more? It does detail, there are certain instances where dancing is acceptable. Such as if, if it is a dance at a matter of state, it is surely to not go on for long. If it is a dance in celebration of a particular holiday, never, ever join it. Why? Because time to the Fae is funny. Lots of things to the Fae is funny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> fae find but... lots of things funny. Yeah, you do. But to them, there is little difference between that particular day on the calendar this year and 20 years from now. Hmm. Okay. As you get through the final bits of the book, one thing he recommends profusely is keep some sort of mechanical timepiece with you. Being able to check upon it, at least semi-regularly, has been observed to help keep your place in time. Though, be careful not to check it too often while in the presence rude. of the same Fae. Because that's rude. Because that is rude. You know, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm messaging back to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually, I just wave at you like, you know. Yeah. You know how I espoused about how I miss the Feywilds and oh, I long for it and oh, all that bullshit. I do. Yeah, I'm starting to get over it, I think. <laughs> you know, from what I'm reading, I don't blame you. So is that all that's in that book? For the most part. Uh, I assume bag. I assume you're keeping it. Yeah. Okay. I'm putting the bag holding. Okay. Yep. yep. Let's roll that dice. Uh, what's the next book? Uh, well, which book do you want to go through next? Let's do the nightmare creatures of nightmare. Creatures of nightmare. Okay. 
Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> she took out the big monster book. <laughs> so this one is written by Loxhorn Fleet. On the inside page, the book describes itself as a gathering of notes and compilations from multiple sources compiled by Loxhorn Fleet. Oh, okay. And there is the Venasi mark on the inside cover. Mm. After we get out of this, you know, if yeah. we get out of life. Yeah, if. Yeah. So, Creatures of Nightmare includes many things. You find some diagrams, though not many. Most descriptions of seemingly normal creatures with strange fey alterations. Like polka dots or butterfly like wings. Polka dots, butterfly wings. There's actually this one rather beautiful drawing on one of the pages of what looks to be a deer, but instead of antlers, it's like tree branches that come oh. up with leaves and flowers poking out at the ends. Ooh, Pokemon. Love that shit. So that's what actually a lot of it is, but everything is noted into essentially how to kill it. What to do. <laughs> there are even a couple sections on what to do, like what Fanasi procedures to do if this is found on the Prime Material plane. Right. <laughs> a couple of creatures that pop out to you are the sapien-like creatures that you had found. Mm -hmm. That the book calls them obscures. Obscures. And this is also one of the few that actually has a diagram. Not a very detailed in the way of its anatomy, but it's a drawing that points out long metallic claws made it notes that these seem to be made of some type of silver Ooh. and that their teeth seem to be made of the same material a silver-like substance uh, kind of weirdly it doesn't seem to have like any normal stomach which the book notes that this causes them to be constantly hungry and constantly hunting and eating. Oh, so it's probably a good thing that we left when we did. Yeah, I have good instincts. <laughs> All right, then. The book is filled with many things. Anything that would... Take children? Yeah. Make an investigation check. 20. 18. About 30% of the creatures found on this book that have some sort of meat-eating tendencies have a propensity to prefer children. Great. Hmm. Does the book say anything about fae-touched people? Yes. A very little bit. It goes into detail about changelings. These creatures are fairy spawn that have been switched at birth with a child by their fey parent. These creatures are 100% fey, but they grow up in mortal homes, believing themselves to be of mortal kind often appearing to be human, elven, or half-elf in some form. Upon breeding with other humanoid races, they always produce a child, further contaminating the mortal bloodline. Is that the word they use, contaminating? Yep. Wow. Well, I'm contaminating your disease. <laughs> Together we can do anything. There we go. However, these creatures often don't live long into their adult years as their propensity for trouble and mischief often get them killed. <laughs> they often turn 
to crime of some sort in order to satiate their urges. What sort of urges? Well, for changelings specifically, it lists violence, theft, and general mischief making. <laughs> what the book calls it. These spawns of humanoids and changelings will often appear to be half-elf in nature, if not full-blood humanoid. Though it has been noted in cases of non-human pairing that the children always look half-elf. Got it. Okay. I'll keep this one, too. <laughs> okay. And the last book on the fairy, The Kingdoms and Rulers. Another pre-sundering book by a woman named Lutha Stouthold. Message. Do you want me to do it? Yes. I'll give it to you. Nah, open it up. Okay. The fairy lands and their kingdoms often shift. They change without warning and seemingly without reason. However, there are some constants. There is always a summer. There is always a winter. And there is always an in-between. These three hemispheres, the book calls them, are often separate, yet simultaneously intertwined. Their borders seem flexible, and while there may be some fey personages that claim dominion over all of one of these hemispheres, there are often multiple rulers that hold sway in them. And sometimes even one ruler can hold sway in multiple hemispheres. In addition to these three hemispheres, there seems to be two additional she doesn't call them hemispheres. She terms them realms. That'd be that'd be a better word for it. Okay. Of night and day. Night, day, and evening. Night, day, and evening. Mm -hmm. Which is again sort of the in between. The book lists seven rulers: the Bear King, the Lord of the Hunt. Is that a separate one? Yep. The okay. Moonlit King. I know that guy. Queen of Night and Magic. I know that one too. I think. Yeah. Right? That and was the one? You. Yeah, yeah. The Queen of Witches. The River King. And the Snow Queen. Elsa. The Bear King holds many titles, but not all of them are relevant. Uh, not all of them are listed. He rules over summer and the day. The Lord of the Hunt is listed as being a ruler of the autumn and the day. The Moonlit King is listed as being a ruler of autumn and the night. Okay. And shares his kingdom with his daughter, the Queen of Night and Magic, who is a ruler of summer and the night. Queen of Witches is a ruler of autumn, summer, and evening, though she is listed as being something of a minor power compar uh, comparatively. The River King is a ruler of winter, uh, winter and morning, and the Snow Queen a ruler of winter and night. No spring ones. No, there wasn't a spring. There was an autumn. It was autumn, which is the in-between. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Is there anything that says anything about Mab and Titania at all? Go ahead and make investigation checks. 21. 17, 18. Okay. Looking through these, kind of scouring these pages, you actually do find the names, the titles, Titania and Mab listed. Titania 
having belonged at one point to the Queen of Witches, the Bear King, and the Lord of the Hunt at different times. Oh, so that's one of their titles. It's, yeah, it is a title that seems to have changed hands. Oh, okay. Mab is a title that is prescribed exclusively to the Snow Queen. Anything in there about the broker? It does go into detail after the main realms and their rulers of princes and dukes. Got it. Princes, princesses, dukes, duchesses, lords and ladies. There are many. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so tracking him specifically down is going to take some time. You can look through it. You do see, as listed as separate individuals in this book, the Duke of Dusk, the Prince of Twilight, and the title of He Who Stands Between. Though, again, with the checks you made, He Who Stands Between, the description roughly matches that of the broker. A person that seems to shift in various stories between male and female, but always with dark skin, golden eyes, often seen with a snake. Okay, um, is there anything specific about the Moonlit King? The Moonlit King shares a kingdom with his daughter, the Queen of Night and Magic. Okay. There have been a noted couple of instances where the two have fought, but they always seem to make up. But the Moonlit King is listed as being very mischievous. Just Approaching in mannerisms and power to a trickster god. Alright. So backtracking actually a little bit into the lords and ladies of the Feywild. Okay. There are three that are kind of mentioned as, if not exactly important, they are certainly active in their spheres. Okay. Lord Longfellow. Lady Crystal Keep and the Prince of Streams. The Prince of Streams is kind of noted as being something of a troublemaker, liking to incite conflict for seemingly no reason. All right. Starts fights. Yeah. Do you want to fight? Do you want to fight? Yeah. The lady is often seen as an arbiter between mortals and fey, and in the far distant past has been seen as something of a neutral third party to help solve disputes, mostly of whether or not a deed was truly in kind. Lord Longfellow is known for entertaining guests and is known as a fae that particularly loves to play host. Is it? Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, so that was the three books on the fae. Yep. Werewolves, the Lycan books. Joy. What do these fuckers say? Which one do you read first? We have the Horrible Disease, Hunting and Tracking, and the Study of Behaviors. Oh, let's go with Horrible Disease. Yeah, the Horrible Disease. It is... Another book by Shornfleet. The one that had compiled the... Right, Lock Shornfleet. Yes. This is also something of both a compilation of various other sources and also his own writings on the subject. Okay. It first details where lichens are thought to have come from. Oh, and... There are many disagreements upon the actual origin. There is speculation that it was at one point a curse from a powerful wizard that caused the first lichens to emerge. However, this theory does not hold water because there would have likely had to have been a separate curse for each of the major types of lycanthropy. Right. So it is more likely that they developed from some form of other creature that 
also had shape-shifting properties. One source cites druids as being a possible source for their origin with how they are able to shed their original form and assume the shapes of animals and beasts. Hmm. And this one seems to hold a bit more water. Do I know what a druid is? Vaguely. Do you know what a druid is? Do I know what a druid is? Vaguely. So druids just shift form. That's all we know. Essentially, yeah. There is one less pleasant theory that lycanthropes came about from what could really only be called bestiality as druids in animal form mating with their partners. (laughs) Okay. The exact origins have, like I said, many different theories. Right. But what the book is mainly concerned with is is the result, which is a dangerous predator that can walk undetected in the day day or night but you know for poetic license uh-huh. you know walk as men do during the day yet during the night hunt down prey on all fours sounds pretty cool <laughs> it also details how this disease can be spread oh do tell first requires a bite okay and then the person must die if their body is strong enough to handle the curse they come back some would think that this would make lichens a form of undead but it is thought that the bearer of the curse does not truly die but simply becomes near death and if the curse is successful in taking hold its regenerative properties heals them of their wounds. If not, they succumb to them and then die. Okay. Well, now we know why it didn't work on you. (laughs) I just need to kill you afterwards. Hmm. How romantic. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it applies to me. It also notes that the curse can be passed on by birth if both parents of our lycanthropic blood. And it it does note the presence of shifters as being a half-breed that can happen. It doesn't always happen, but it can happen. It also does note that shifters seem unable to spread the curse, except by lineage. Got it. Well, that answers that question. Very good. It also lists possible cures and treatments. Anyone that has been any sort of effective has been administered directly after the bite within the hour. But the most effective is a poultice made from wolfsbane and other alchemical reagents. Would wolfsbane be something that I have had contact with? Yeah, it's, it's not. I don't think it's a hugely common plant, but it's around enough. Does it do anything to me? My it's- it smells... You're probably allergic to it. Okay. Like, it, it smells fucking horrible and you break out in hives. Got it. <laughs> Just stub you with an EpiPen. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it for that book. It just goes into detail of the process of infection. So it's very... This is a very clinical book and yeah. very, like, theory and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Hunting and tracking, however, is all practical. Is it kind of more the same thing, just more specific? Yeah. Noting how they seem to be deathly allergic to silver and Wolfsbane seems a powerful repellent. There are also some instances described in the book of captured lichens and experiments done. It doesn't probably give any detail as to who or when. When was no. this book made? This book, I believe, was about 400 years or so ago. Yeah, maybe two to 300. But yeah. Point, point is, it's not, not, not anywhere recent. you know. Yeah. The person's name isn't listed. It is, however, noted. The creature was brought in with its 
humanoid family. A woman and two children. In this particular set of experiments, the Lycan was forced to attempt to turn his wife. It failed. And the children, as shifters, were put through several experiments. Seeing I stopped reading. I take the book. Tally is not going to read anymore, but if you want to, so I can take notes. Yeah. So the, the children, mm-hmm. they were experimented on seeing if they shared their parents, or shared their father's aversion to silver in Wolfsbane. And it's noted that they did, but not to the same extent where silver on the father would cause his skin to blister and boil. It would merely cause rather severe discomfort for the children. Anything else? It also, in that book, goes into detail about tracking, how lichens of most varieties tend to like to form some sort of group, Mm -hmm. whether that's a pack or a herd. A pride. A pride. The one notable exception being werebears being generally solitary which both makes them harder to hunt down but easier to take care of once you do finally track them down but when tracking down a pact it's good to keep an eye out for a group of people that like to keep themselves secluded and always seem to move together and that's pretty much all for that book Okay, are we keeping these books too? Uh, sure. Okay. A study of behaviors essentially goes into more detail on the group mentality mm-hmm. of lichens. Huh? Dynamics. Yeah, the group dynamics. Does that be good? Talking about how in most groups, again, ex- the notable exceptions being werebears and were-rats, actually. But it talks about how in these groups there is always some sort of pack or group leader generally referred to as an alpha i got that i got got one right congrats (laughs) it goes into detail about how it it actually does a pretty good job of not of saying like this may not be true for all packs but this is like what we have observed in these particular groups that we followed Mm -hmm. in one group they followed a pride around for a while. This pride seemed to move around in a more desert area. There was an alpha and a second. Okay. The second seemed to be responsible for taking care of disputes between various pride members. And if they could not be resolved, it was then taken to the alpha. The second would also be the one to go out for most hunting raids and would also act as the Alpha's advisor. In another group of were-rats that was observed in a city that you have never heard of, they seemed to act with no Alpha whatsoever, but instead actually had something more like a democracy in that everybody had a voice and everybody would vote on important matters. Everybody took their turn with scavenging. Everybody took their share of everything. Right. Just kind of unique. Alpha-less nature of them is fairly unique among the lichen types. Werewolves, if they can find an area to settle down will almost never leave it, especially if they have a pack. Though there have been known instances of lone werewolves traveling far and wide. Such instances have always been observed to be an instance 
where a werewolf that had alpha-like qualities clashed with the alpha of the pack that they were in. It has also been observed in many cases that the mate of the alpha would be their second. That's true. Oh. I wouldn't exactly call it a second specifically. It's just alpha male and alpha female. They ran the pack together. What does that make me as the alpha female? Technically, yeah. Hmm. They were a team. We are saying this also in Yeah, this is message and night speak. Yeah. They were a team of uh, my parents. They were the alpha male and alpha female. They were a team. They worked together and they they shared responsibilities. The only reason my father went out and hunted is because he's the one with the teeth. <laughs> but that was a big deal. You know, you take a mate, that person, that's that's a partner. That's not, you know, that was equal responsibility between the two of them. Hmm. Depending on whatever station they were in, whether it be just a hunter or, or what. But that was a, that was a partnership. Does that mean you have to listen to everything I say? It means we are equals, darling. Which means you have to say, listen to everything I say. I listen to everything you say anyway. Good, keep it up. <laughs> That's pretty much the extent of it. Just a lot of... Pack dynamics. Yes. Which is mostly all this shit I know. Great. This was helpful. Well, your books at least were helpful. Confusing, more like. It's like the more we learn about fate, the more questions. Well, I guess we'll find out more. Oh, we might die tomorrow. Oh, we might die. Who knows? That'll be a fun adventure. Boy, wouldn't that make things simple? I hope we don't die before we get to tell Jareth. What? Tell him what? Anything. Oh, yes. All right, it's probably in the mo- in the a.m. <laughs> yeah. We should get to bed. Still have no idea what to do in the morning, huh? Wing it, I suppose. I'm not letting them put anything on my skin. Uh, I don't think that happens until you get initiated. Isn't that what's happening in the morning? No, that's what's happening in the morning is Walker is going to decide what we have to do for initiation. Hmm. And then we have to go do it. Which, of course, I'm gonna go suggest let's go kill that pest. Hmm. Because I have to. <laughs> but hopefully we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I'm not opposed to shooting every single goddamn person here. Well, if that's what it comes to, that's what we'll do. Exactly, but let's hope not do that, shall we? <sighs> anyway, we should get some sleep. Just don't eat anything. You read the book. I know, I'm just... You can't not sleep. No, you can't not sleep. Not when we're about to go do this. There was one bed? Mm-hmm. Fan, where would you like to sleep? I will sleep on the floor beside you. Thank you so much for supporting Let's Be Legendary podcast. If you're enjoying our story, please take a moment to rate and review on iTunes. You'd be surprised how much this helps others find us. For news and extra content, visit our website at letsbelegendarypodcast.com or follow us on Facebook at Let's Be Legendary and Twitter at Let's Be Legend Pod. We also spend a lot of time on our Discord server, so please feel free to stop by and say hello. Links are in the description or on our website. For more content from our crew, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get to listen to episodes two days before the general public, exclusive sneak peeks of new art, DM and player's notes on characters, and access to Bonus Round, a limited exclusive series run by our patrons. Talia Gray is played by Chris Sass Council, Celine Argent is played by Megzi Sass Council, and our Dungeon Master is Molly Hexcroft. Our producer and editor is Molly Hexcraft, pronouns she, her. Our producer and manager is Jess Richards, pronouns they, them. Our producer, art director, and assistant mixer is Megzi Sass Council, pronouns she, her. 
And our producer, director, editor, and mixer is Chris Sass Council. Pronouns they, them. Credits for music and sound effects are in the description below. Celine's tarot deck is the Marigold deck by Amrit S. Brar, and the tarot guide used in-game can be found at biddytarot.com. Thanks again for listening, and stay legendary.